Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, we're going through the book of 1 John. We're in chapter 2, and we're going to look at three verses tonight. Three very critical verses. Verses you need to understand and you need to apply. So we're going to do our best to unpack it and make sure we have an understanding of what this is about. So it begins with the demand to not love the world. The demand to not love the world. It's verse 15 of 1 John chapter 2. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Now, what does it mean to not love the world? Does it mean um, I can't go to a ball game? I hope not. Well, I got to dress funny. No. Well, I can't enjoy certain things. I, I have to do this. I can't. No, no, no. That's not what it's talking about. The world can mean several things in the Bible. When you're reading the Bible, the word world will be used, but it has several different applications. Sometimes when you read the word world, it's talking about the planet Earth. It's talking about the creation. Sometimes when you read the word world, it's talking about people. God so loved the world. He's talking about people, not the planet, the people of it. Also, when you read about the world, we have to understand the world is the place where Satan rules. Satan is in charge, ruling in this world. He is in control. What do you mean? I thought God was in control. God's in control, but Satan has a control as well here. He has been defeated already, and one day God will end his rulership. John chapter 14, verse 28. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. And if you really love me, you will be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you'll believe. In other words, you'll remember what I said and you'll believe me. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches Satan. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world, that's us, will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. He said, the ruler of this world's there, the planet, the, the, the culture, but we live in the world and the world needs to know, people need to know that he comes from the Father. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, in other words, it, it is who the people of this world worship who aren't Christ followers. Now, they won't say they worship Satan, but what's happening is they're following him and what he says. And so, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is in the exact likeness of God. 
And so we have to understand that when the world's being spoken of in scriptures, the different meanings. But what James says is don't love this world. In other words, the culture that Satan has established. We don't think like the world. We don't act like the world. You see, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me, you'll follow me, you act like me. If you love the world, you act like Satan, you act like what he says. We have values that are different than the world. So you do not love this world system. You do not lo love what this world puts in front of us. James chapter 4, verse 4, James very adamantly, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world, the culture, Satan's rulership, makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So you and I have to understand I am called not to love the world. How does that play out? Well, if I love the world, worldly thoughts dominate my mind. I think about the things of the world. <laughs> worldly things dominate my mind, dominate my life, the things that this world offers to me, the resources that it offers, cars, houses, you know, money. When that becomes my obsession, my desire, my heart, then I'm loving the world. When I'm unwilling or unable to let go of something to be closer to God because I enjoy it and I want to do it, then the world is dominating my mind. When I want more and not content with what I have, who's in charge? I'm following the world system, aren't I? When I pursue the things of the world with greater enjoyment, spending more time on it than pursuing God, when I find pride in what I have. Now, hold on to your seat. I'm going to say this one. When politics drives my decision rather than God's Word, our political system is a worldly system. <laughs> we Christians sometimes tr keep trying to think that, no, we're going to, this is ours. It's not. It's what Satan has put into place. God doesn't follow this political system. He has his own way of doing things. And they never line up with the political system of the world. You know, when I try to get things in the world with immoral or illegal means, when I choose me over others, when the world says you need this and I believe it, when the world says you should think this way and I buy into it, the world is constantly... You see, Satan's the God of the world. Satan doesn't come after us. I'm going to talk more about this in just a moment. In a very obvious way. It's subtle. And you and I have to make a decision. Jesus said, you can't love the world and love me. You can't do it. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13, no one can serve two masters. You'll hate one, love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and the world, what the world offers. Now, you can't do it. Now, we keep trying to mix it. 
We could, well, if I, I want a little of this and a little of this. I, I want God and I want a little of God, but I like some things in the world too. I want both. Is that so wrong? It's not wrong to have things that this world offers. Well, I mean, not get ahead of myself. Let's go to the desires of the world. The desires of the world. So, John says, look, you can't love the world. Let me tell you what that entails. Verse 16, the world offers, now there's a little word here that you might want to highlight or underline, only, only. This is all that it offers, nothing more. It only offers a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. So let's unpack each the three of those. First of all, a craving for physical pleasures. In some versions, it says a lust of the flesh. It's the sinful desires. It's living for our senses. In other words, I want to do what makes me feel good. I want to do what I enjoy. I want to have fun. Nothing wrong with having fun. But if that's all you live for, the world offers its fun, but it's not the fun that a Christian should be having. All the desires in our sinful nature that we want without a regard for the will of God. Now, here's what Galatians says. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, physical pleasure, lust of the flesh, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because they're following the God of this world, correct? And so he gives us a list. Now, let me just tell you something, because you might look at that and say, oh, my thing isn't on the list. This list isn't all-inclusive. There's other things. And so, but he goes on to tell us, look, here's what the Holy Spirit, here's the fruit that is in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. You see, one is a list of things that you do, but the other is a list of things that you are. Because being a Christian is who you are. And if you have those things in your life, as we've talked about earlier as we've gone through 1 John, if those things are present, you won't do the things that the world offers. We good? All right. Romans chapter 13, verse 13. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, immoral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desire. The face, the flesh longs for its own convenience. 
The flesh wants to be fulfilled. The flesh doesn't want to have pain. It doesn't want to have to discipline itself. It wants to run rampant, and it wants you to follow whatever it desires. And John says, look, here's what these sins are. The sin, first of all, is this desire for physical pleasure, your flesh running the show, you doing what you feel like, this makes me feel good. Secondly, a craving for everything we see or lust of the eyes. You see, where do desires many times begin? They begin in two places. One is they're just within me. I have a desire to do this. Secondly, by what I see. Proverbs 17, 24. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. You look at everything. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. In other words, you deceive yourself. You think you're seeing clearly, and you're not. Because you're seeing through the eyes of flesh rather than the eyes of spirit. And so John tells us, look, what you want is physical pleasure. You just want the physical side of you to be satisfied, and your eyes roam all over the place, and you just want what you see. You you see that? Oh, I want that. Oh, I'd like to have that. Oh, I'd like to have that. Oh, that person. Yeah, yeah. You know, all over the place, all over the map. Thus isn't television a wonderful invention? because it fills you with things you see. I'm always amazed at me. I'll be sitting there watching a basketball game. It's a great time to be watching basketball, by the way. And a Taco Bell commercial will come on. And I see that, and the cheese chalupa, I think, is out. I don't know what it is. I'm thinking, I'd like that. Right? It's just amazing what we do. We see, oh, yeah, and suddenly provokes desires. And so John says, look, here's where you're struggling, your physical nature, your flesh, your eyes, what you're looking at, and how you're processing that, and how you filter that. Can you see that same thing? I can see the chalupa and go, that's good, I don't need one. Or that's good, I can have one. But I do that not according to fleshly desires. World of difference. Two people can see the same thing and one of them see it in the flesh, and the other one sees it in the spirit. That's how deceptive Satan is. So a craving for everything we see. Thirdly, pride in our achievements and possessions, the pride of life. In other words, I think I'm something when I'm not. I think I have my act together. I'm arrogant. Pride in ourself, self-indulgence, self-conceit. I see things more clearly. Those people need that. I don't. I have the ability to take care of me. I, I don't need any of this. I'm good. I know what's best for me. And thus we have a lot of people. Hey, as long as you're true to you, you know what's best for you. No, you don't. Proverbs 16, 17. 
The path of the virtuous leads away from evil. But whoever follows that path is safe. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. Be careful when you think you stand before you fall. Be careful when you think you've got it together. Be careful when you're judgmental of somebody else. How could they do that? I would never do that. That's prideful. Because you and I are just as susceptible to sin as anybody else. 2 Timothy 3.1 addresses this pride issue. You should know this, Timothy. In the last day, there'll be very difficult times. Why? People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful, proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They'll slander others, have no self-control. Boy, we're covering them all right now, aren't we? They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They'll be reckless. They'll be puffed up with pride. Notice it's mentioned again. And love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. They act like they're spiritual. They act like they're a Christian but they're not. Stay away from people like that. Oh, I can handle it. No, you can't. So that's what he says. That's the critical area of these. Now you see, these three areas is all that the world has to offer you and me. Now, if you follow them and the progression of them and the list that we've been through here, you see, where do all of those things end up? with problems, right? With difficulties. But yet when you follow God's ways, where does that end up? With a good life. And so this is the source of all temptation. It's the source of everything in our life. It's from been going on since the very beginning. Adam and Eve struggled. The temptation that Satan gave to them was in these three areas. The temptation that Satan gave to Jesus was in these three areas. Look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. The woman was convinced, pride, I know I'm better. I don't care what God said. I, I think I know better. She saw the eyes. Tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious. The flesh, the eyes, the pride. And she wanted the wisdom she believed it would give her. Not the wisdom of God. Because what was at the heart of the temptation? God knows you'll be like him. God knows you, you'll, you'll have more wisdom than him. God understands this. You know, you, you go ahead and do this. He's holding out on you. So she took some of it and ate it, gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. It's where it all begins. Every Christian has three great enemies. 
the world, the flesh, the devil. They are all opposed to God. And Satan comes not as a little character all red with horns and a little outfit saying, hey, do all of this, do all this. He comes subtly, slowly, bit by bit, little by little, to just kind of get you to go down a wrong path. Hey, that'll look good. Hey, you can handle it. Hey, no one will know. Hey, you deserve this. And all of those things are the result of this world. That's what he does with everybody. And remember what we read earlier? God's, the scripture said, God's blinded the people because they haven't followed God. They think they're okay. They think it's right. And so he tells us the outcome, the destruction of the world. The destruction of the world. Verse 17, this world is fading away. And notice what he says, along with everything that people crave. Everything. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You know, these three verses, I don't think it can get much clearer than this. Here's the problem. You can't love the world. You can't love the things that it offers you. Here's what the world offers you. And here's what's going to happen when you do this, if you go the world's way instead of God. It's so clear, isn't it? And yet, we all kind of think we're exempt, or we can handle it, or we're, it doesn't, we just struggle with it. So he says, look, everything this world has to offer you is fading away. There's a guy in the Old Testament who understood this very, very well. His name was Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11, we're talked about that verse 13, all these people, remember just listed all the people of faith and all the people that had been faithful to God, they didn't receive everything that was promised. But they saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. And if they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city, a place for them. Down a few verses to verse 24. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now remember, Pharaoh, most powerful person on the planet probably at that point in time. Control of everything. He's right up there, isn't he? He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. There is pleasure in sin. It just doesn't last. There's pleasure with it but there's a high cost involved in it. For the moment, feels good, seems okay. Seems like this is just what I wanted, but it doesn't last. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures 
of Egypt. That pretty much covers everything, doesn't it? For he was looking ahead to his great reward. You see, loving the world is a bad investment. It never pays. 1 Corinthians 7.31 Those who use the things of this world, now notice, you're going to use the things of the world. They're a part of it. It doesn't say, you know, don't become attached to them. For the world as we know it will soon pass away. Hebrews 13, 14. This world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Thus God says, the only way to love me is with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. If you give me all of that, then all this other, Satan won't be able to get at you with all this other. And if you love me, you'll have everything I offer you. And I get to live forever. Then Jesus prays this great prayer. John chapter 17, it's one of the great chapters in the Bible. We call the Lord's Prayer something else, but in reality, you want to see how Jesus is praying. This is, man, this is incredible. He's talking with the Father. Notice what he says. I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they could be filled with my joy. I've given them your word. Uh, how important is God's word? And the world hates them. The world, who's the world? The culture we live in, the ungodly people. The world hates them because they do not belong to this world. They're not the same in the culture. Now, all of us live on the planet, correct? So he's not just talking about that, is he? He's talking about the world system. I'm not asking them, asking you, to take them out of the world. Boy, I wish he would. One day he will. But I want you to keep them safe from the evil one. He's at work. He's in control. He's there. Protect them. In other words, prayer, lead us not into temptation. Protect them. They do not belong to this world, not the planet, the culture, any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Wow. So we have a mission, don't we? We're sent to the people that are not following God, correct? That's what he's saying. Don't take them out of the world. They got a job to do. They've got a way to live that I want to use them. I want you to take them and I want you to use them to reach the people who Satan's blinded, who Satan's been in control of. And I give myself, verse 19, as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. What powerful verses. So much in them that if you and I would just understand it, 
appropriate it, we would save ourselves a lot of heartache and a lot of grief. So God says, look, I've got you here. Don't give in to what this world offers. Don't give in to the pride of life. Don't give in to the loss of the eyes. Don't give in to the pride that is there. Don't give in to all the physical pleasures that it wants to offer you. Follow me. Let me use you to help others come into the light. So here's the question. How you doing? Are we being obedient with that understanding? First of all, am I taking care of me so that I can live the life that God wants me to live and not be influenced and controlled by what this world tries to offer me? And secondly, am I doing what I can where I can, when I can. Doesn't mean you go stand on a street corner and start preaching, but just as you go about your day-to-day living, are you aware that there might be somebody come in contact with your life that you have an opportunity to share something with them? And God, I'm open. I'm willing for you to use me. Those two things. How are you? Let's pray. Lord, your word is truth. And we thank you for your word. It very clearly describes for us, explains to us how this world operates and how Satan operates and how you operate. There is a big difference between the two. Help our, us to live our lives to honor you. And Lord, use us to touch the lives of others around us. Thank you for showing us the way. Help us to live it, I pray, in thy name. And everybody said, amen, amen. For those of you online, thanks for joining us. Uh, Please join with us Sunday. It's a great day, Easter Sunday morning. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.